Beautiful Anonymous is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. You know, sometimes you see one of those news notifications pop up on your phone and you're like, wait, huh? What? Wait, well, you you probably what you need is somebody to explain those moments to you and Vox is on it, okay? You probably know Vox. This is V-O-X. You've seen it around as the folks who distill all the noise about news, policy, culture, and everything that matters into perfect explainers. Now they have a new podcast with an episode every single afternoon. It's called Today Explained and it answers the big questions about today's news. Remember, it's Vox, V-O-X. The podcast is called Today, Explained. Subscribe now in your favorite podcast app like Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. Today Explained will be waiting for you, whether you're winding down or psyching up. Hello to all my potty-trained listeners. It's beautiful, Anonymous. One hour, one phone call, no names. No holds barred. I'd rather go one on one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you, and you'll get to know me. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Beautiful Anonymous, the podcast where I, uh, some guy, relatively low level comedian who has been doing a little better since the podcast started, talks to people on the phone, talks to people on the telephone. And that's the whole podcast. And people listen, because there's a lot of people out there in the world who, it turns out, enjoy intimate human connections, empathetic conversations, and all that other good stuff. I'm recording this intro from uh, backstage at the Bell House in Brooklyn, New York, about to record the, uh, the podcast live in front of uh, between 300 and 400 very good friends. This is the third of three at the Bell House, and I want to thank the Bell House for having us this month. Over the course of the past three shows, over 1,000 people have attended those shows. I want to say thanks to everybody who came out. Uh, it's been so cool doing these shows, celebrating this thing. It's all surrounded the 100th episode, which was such a nice thing. And just seeing all you guys face-to-face, being able to make eye contact with you. What a cool thing. And I'm hoping later in the year to get the show on the road to more places. Uh, who knows? Who knows? You tell me where I should go. Go sign up for the Facebook group, Beautiful Anonymous, the community. Tell me where I should go. And I'll go there. I don't care. Come hang out. Maybe I'll even go to Perth, Australia. I've been threatening that, the most remote metropolitan area in the world. Wanted to warn you guys about something. We're going to talk more about this. Just keep reminding you over the next few weeks. So you may have heard through the grapevine um, that all of the Earwolf shows, there's a new policy being instituted where anything over six months old, any episodes over six months old are actually going to put on Stitcher Premium, which is a pay service. I will say, I I always like when things are free. I've been really happy with the system where things are free, but I also understand that business is business. And I wanted to give you guys just a real heads up um, because you can go download the old episodes. If there's any that you really love, uh, go download them now. They're going to go behind that paywall. I think sometime in late March is the rumor I'm hearing. Um, And if you want to sign up for Stitcher Premium, I would love that. You can get all of the, the archives there. And also, you know what? Archives for tons of great shows and a lot of other premium content our old touring shows that were only ever released on Stitcher Premium, a lot of great stuff. 
And uh, we're going to have a promo code for Stitcher Premium signups in the coming weeks. So uh, hang on if you want to sign up for that because I'll be able to help you knock a few bucks off the price. All right. Our 100th episode was last week. I was so happy um, to, to have that celebratory moment. I was feeling very nostalgic over this podcast. It really has changed my life. You got the beautiful anonymous Facebook community really did uh, uh, embrace that episode. I think a lot of people were happy to hear from people, uh, you know, just in general, the diversity of some older callers was much appreciated, let alone two people who are each, uh, each have experienced a century of life. I did love, you can never please everybody. It's one thing I've learned with this podcast. Nobody is ever going to like every episode. I want to give a shout out to the person in the Facebook group who just put the simple, uh, just a, a simple picture of a thumbs down. They didn't even type out the words thumbs down, just a picture of the thumbs down. Uh, my friend Kaylin, Kaylin, who's a very big supporter of this podcast and, and the Chris Gethard show, Always appreciate it. That was the very first comment. And uh, Kaylin said, cried. About eight minutes in, started crying, and then cried the whole time. And a lot of people echoed that, that that one was a tearjerker. And Kaylin was also the first one to bring up a very popular theory where a lot of people were saying, I really hope that the dentist office that the, uh, the, the lady from Poland mentioned was the dentist office that the first guy works in. I'm really hoping that there's some miracle where that was that office. And we can all just pretend it was or think it was. Maybe it was. Who knows? Anyway, we got an episode coming up for you now. This was our first ever call um, where we put out an international number. This is the thing we're going to start doing lately, or rather coming up. This one was the UK. We had a number for the UK, and we got a whole bunch of people from the UK calling in. We talked to a lady who lives on the uh, southern coast of England in a tiny little village with thatched roof cottages. She told me about being a mom. She told me about getting in fights over ridiculous things. She told me about what the current... Um, you know, social and political thoughts are over there on the other side of the pond for me, although it doesn't get too heavy with the political stuff. It was very cool to talk to her. I enjoyed our chat immensely. And uh, we're going to keep doing this. Keep your eyes peeled. International listeners, we're going to keep dropping numbers that, that work in different countries in the coming months. So again, go to the Facebook group, tell us where you're from and where we should, uh, where we should be dropping those numbers. So Enjoy the call. I know I did. Thank you guys for everything. Thanks to everybody who's been coming out to these Bell House shows. And yeah, enjoy it. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hello? Hi, Chris. Hi. How are you? I'm okay. Yeah? Doing all right? Yeah, I got. I tell you, I'm gonna just cop to this right now. I've been taking oh, I've been taking some martial arts classes, and I got kicked in the head about an hour ago. Oh man! <laughs> okay, I figured you everything right now. Then yeah, if I'm a little out of it, or a little uh, if if you ever notice that I drift off, it's because I'm almost certain I have a very mild concussion. Well, that's okay. I was literally about three minutes from going to bed after drinking two very large glasses of red wine, so it's quite possible that you and me might be on a bit of a par. Ooh, I like that. That should lead to a very uh, free conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, perhaps, perhaps. But yeah, I've certainly woken up now from being, yeah, at the point of nodding off watching Narcos to I'm now super awake. I like that. Isn't it good to know? <laughs> All over the world, people are watching Netflix and getting slightly buzzed. <laughs> it's 
Friday night, you know, it's been a long week, what can I say? Yeah, and what, it's about nine o'clock where you are, right? Uh, it is bang on nine o'clock, yep, absolutely. Yeah. Here it's bang on four o'clock. That's not ah, bang on Well, you can finish this and then go home and finish and enjoy your Friday evening, yeah. sort out your concussion. Yes, yes. Well, I'm very excited, <laughs> excited that you called. It's the first time we've ever well, used an international number. Amazing. That is so good. It's really good. I'm glad you are opening up to the world. Yes, we're doing our best. <laughs> that is good. I'm about to go off on world travels myself. So oh. it's, yeah, I'm heading off to Australia next week. Oh, that, we'll talk to, um, we're going to have an Australian number coming up soon. I've never been to oh, Australia. Cool. Well, maybe I'll call you again when I'm in Australia. <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing if you got through twice. Everyone in Australia, every fan from Australia would want to kill you. Um, I know. That's cool. I won't do that. I won't. I promise. I won't do that. That would be far too mean, wouldn't it? It really would. And now, when you travel, how long do you go for? Because I feel like people in other parts of the world travel for much longer than Americans. Well, this is um, an unusual trip because it's so far. So we're going for about two and a half weeks. I wish we had like double that. But work, life, you know, it's a bit rare. Normally, we only go on holiday for a week at a time. Oh, so that is, that's standard American. I, I, I feel yeah. like there's certain, well, the Australians in particular, I feel like they go on, on vacations that last for like three months at a time. <laughs> you have the freedom of youth or the freedom of wealth, I think, to be able to do that. And mm. I have neither on my side. So, Fair. yeah, two, two and a half weeks, that's a lot. And when you say we are going, who's we? We, my husband mm-hmm. and my four-year-old son. Oh, four years. So we are, yeah, we are taking him back to the place of his first existence because we're leaving on the bang on fifth anniversary of when we went last time. And it was this epic situation where we decided to go to Australia to begin a life, I guess you would call it, that wasn't what we had planned. Um, and halfway through the trip, I realized that I was pregnant. Um, so it was a bit of a shock, really. Because um, the whole point in doing the trip was like, we can't have children, so let's go live a life where we travel instead. Oh, wow. And then what do you know? <laughs> and that way, so, okay, I'm just going to be blunt. That's okay. Yeah. Are, are you bringing your child back to the place where he was conceived? A bit hazy on dates. Conceived in England, but we're going back to stay with the same friends that we were staying with last time. And I don't want to wick them out too much by saying, "Hey, this is what we did last time we stayed with you." <laughs> so I, I think he was literally conceived in England. Okay. But the first knowledge we ever had about him was in Australia. Got it. Well, that's an awful nice yeah. surprise. If you're a, do you know what it really was? Yeah. It was. It was a shock. It was an ongoing situation of heartache and hardness, I think, really. Um, of, I don't know, I think you put all your hopes into one scenario for your life and it doesn't go the way you hoped it was going to go. Um, and then, yeah, life has a, has a way of kind of surprising you, really. So, yeah. 
came and, back with some excess baggage. Wow, <laughs> that's good. Were you so? Was it like had doctors told you you will not be able to conceive, or was it just you guys had been trying and it was just an uphill battle? Yeah, we'd been trying for a long time, and we'd had three rounds of fertility treatment, and it was just taking a really, really big toll. Um, and you know, it's. I think all the doctors were saying, never say never, we can't find anything specifically wrong, but you're really old and all of this kind of stuff. So um, I think my husband was, when we first met, he he told me pre-upfront that he didn't want kids. He wasn't interested in kids. Um, And I was just like, this is something really, really, really important to me. So we did, we did, you know, a lot of negotiating and a lot of bargaining and stuff like that and agreed that one, we could have one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then when it didn't happen, it was it was hard. It was really, really hard. Um, and, you know, I mean, he would have been fine either way. But for me, it was it was a really, really tough thing to try and come to terms with. Yeah. Um, because I'd, I'd lost a son previously. My first son was oh, stillborn. I'm so sorry. Um, uh, do you know what? It was 14 years ago and it's still... Still one of those things that after a couple of glasses of red wine and you open your heart to a stranger on the phone could still make me cry. Yeah, that's a... It definitely uh, still make me cry. I have some friends who went through that and that, that's, just about mm. as, that's just about as bad as it gets. I'm sorry you had to go through yeah. that. Yeah, but, you know, like, like I said, it's like you, you, pin, you can pin so many hopes and dreams on something. Yeah. Um, and it works out. Works out in the end. That's great. So and when, I think, when, you're, uh, when your husband had been saying he didn't want to have kids and then it turned out that you were fighting so hard for it, do you ever have like fights where you'd look him in the eye and be like, you cursed us, you son of a bitch? Like, <laughs> do you ever have that moment of weakness where you just gave it to him? This is what you want. Yeah. This is, a, I know this is what you really want anyway. You asshole. Do you know what? The level, the level of my bitterness was I was convinced that him sitting there with a laptop on his lap every every evening, oh. <laughs> I his sperm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got to think, why do you keep your phone in your front pocket? Put the, put the phone somewhere else. You're deliberately making yourself infertile. Yeah. And then we went to the fertility clinic and they ran all the tests and the smug look on his face when they're like, yeah, you ain't the problem. Yeah. Your little swimmers are fine. Swimmers they're are strong. strong. They're plentiful. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, oh shit! I can't even blame him. You know? Well, that's so cool that it worked out. And I, I, I would have to imagine too, like uh, if you were older, that you must. And, and it's it's kind of like this miracle conception. You must be that pregnancy must be like stressing the whole time and nervous the whole time. So that's so beautiful oh, that it worked Christ. out. I hated every second of it. <laughs> you know, I, I, don't, I don't know what it was like in America, but parenthood and particularly motherhood has become like some kind of cult in this country where there there is like this kind of perception that motherhood is this, this ultimate ideal of perfection that everybody should be able to achieve. And if you're not doing it right there's something wrong with you. Um, so there are like a million like mummy bloggers and marketing campaigns. And like I work in social media. And so I can see straight through all the 
paid for social media influencer type mm-hmm. bollocks. Yeah, that's that's big business here too. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm sure it is, and it's so damaging to people, you know, that this ideal life is painted, and if you don't fit into it, then there's something seriously wrong with you. So I had this whole thing where, you know, I'm surrounded by people spewing out babies left, right and centre. <laughs> and you're given this whole image that you've got to love every second and you should be so grateful and being pregnant is wonderful. And you should be glowing and you'd be doing your like pregnancy Pilates and yoga and <laughs> all of this bullshit. And I spent nine months basically in a state of terror <laughs> that something really bad was going to happen yeah. yeah from from my previous experiences and also just I hated it. it was horrible I just felt so uncomfortable and I had so many bad side effects <laughs> like, just get this thing out of me <laughs> um and I just yeah I really I don't know maybe I should start writing a blog saying being pregnant's a bit shit <laughs> Um, and let people know that, you know, it's not all rosy and lovely. And I don't know what ever possesses anybody to do it a second time. You know, I really, <laughs> a friend of mine, um, they've just had their second baby and, you know, all the Instagram photos are there of everybody looking wonderful and happy and yeah. Good for it's, them. It's, yeah. Good yeah. I mean, them. it's fantastic for them, but. You know, again, it's perpetuating this whole yeah. life is perfect. Keep it out of my face. That's what you're saying. <laughs> oh, don't get me wrong. If, if, if you looked at my Facebook or my Instagram, you'd think, oh, yeah, she's living this great life. And nobody sees what's behind it all, do they, really? They I think, that's the, like I said, I work in social media, and I think it's one of the most bloody damaging things yeah. out there for people's I'm starting to agree. So, I'm starting yeah. to feel like historians will look back at this era and point directly to social media yeah. as a, as a uh, divisive cultural influence that we yeah. we didn't didn't realize the traps of in, in time. No, and the abuse that people get as well. I mean, I hope to God that as a public public figure yourself now, you you don't get any of that. <laughs> oh well, thank you for the, the well wishes, but. You have no, oh, you have no idea the things people say to me on the internet. You have no idea. I once acted in a show and a guy on a message board said that he hopes my agent kills herself. He said your agent should hang herself. I had, here's some of the best ones. I I once did a show in North Carolina and uh, right Mm. after the show, someone on Twitter said, uh, at Chris Gethard is like Abraham Lincoln. He's heroically ugly. He's so <laughs> ugly. I don't know how he keeps going. I wrote back. Oh, I, I was love like, your mush. "Oh, thanks." I wrote, I wrote back. I was like, "Ouch, ouch, man!" And he's like, "I didn't think you would ever see this." I'm like, "You tagged me. You picked yeah. a platform yeah. where you see, could tag me." Why? It's like, well, I I don't understand the logic of that. I I literally don't understand how people think that they can say these awful, awful things to people. And it is like directly saying it to somebody's face if you tag them in the post or if you're in a one-to-one <laughs> conversation or stuff like that. Well, how do you think that people aren't going to react badly to that? How do you think yeah. that they're not going to get hurt by that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, and I, the thing I don't understand is I don't get what it gets them. 
That's what I don't get. No. It, it's just, it's, no. it's such a weird thing. And I, you probably have a good perspective working in that world. It's like the when it bubbles to the surface and I see these people who've been, like even with my TV show, like my TV show is a small TV show. My TV show is yeah. not a huge deal. But I'll see people like tweet at me and at the network mm. and they'll say, that, you know, this mm. show's terrible. Cancel it. Get yeah. it off the air. And it's like, what if, like, I get weirded out because I'm like, I see that, and I'm like, there's like, in America, 150 other channels. Yeah, and there's, yeah. and I like it. Don't watch it. I know, and they don't. Well, they don't have the perspective that I have, which is like, there's 70 people employed here. Like, yeah. I got this show yeah, on the people's air. Jobs, it's people's lives, yeah, people's lives, like people's that, jobs. People's yeah, health yeah. insurance. We don't have the free health insurance, you know? Like, oh, this is yeah. like a real thing, and they don't realize that stuff yeah. counts. That stuff counts. Yeah. What's totally, it get you? Totally. And it's. <laughs> go watch sports for an hour. Leave me alone. Yeah, exactly. Go turn your telly off and go for a walk or something, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. Go and talk to your neighbor, maybe. Have a nice conversation and tell them that you don't like them to their face yeah. and see how that goes. That being said, I assume but, you saw the number I posted today on social media. So d- fuck both yes, of us. I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I could claim that, you know, it's my responsibility for my career to keep up with these things. But the truth of the matter is, it's the most horrifically addictive stuff. And I so often after a day of like eight hours solidly looking at Twitter feeds and Facebook pages and groups and blah, 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 blah. I then come home and then supposedly do it for pleasure in my spare time. And you're just scrolling through rubbish, absolute rubbish. And I catch myself sometimes thinking, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And I think it has just become so addictive and so all-pervasive in our society that, you know, I really hope it's over by the time my son gets older. Um, I would really hate to be a teenager right about now. Yeah. I just think those kids are mean, really mean. Yeah. Really, really mean. I've read a lot about it because, uh, you know, when I'm – you know, I, I do. I do read a lot about the mental health stuff. Still, I don't talk about it as much. Tried to put that mm. to bed. Did my part, but I read about the bullying and this whole idea that like bullying follows kids home now is really scary. Yeah, they used yeah, to they be. Can't escape from it. Yeah, when we were kids, you get. I would get horrifically mocked all day at school, mm. but then I got to go yeah. home. That was okay. And it was like a little sanctuary, isn't it? You know, you got your family there being nice to you. But, you know, when you've got your phone on 24 hours a day and it's constantly binging at you and nasty messages are coming up, that's got to be really damaging for people. Um, Especially people who are kind of vulnerable ages. Yeah. It's got to be scary for you too with your son because I feel like everything that's uh, internet driven, kids figure it out before adults. Like they have yeah. apps and they have things that they understand yeah. before we can even figure out how to keep an yeah. eye on them. I remember when he was a baby, he got swiping, you know, through pictures on the iPad screen. It it was like instinctual to him. Oh, this is how it works. And I remember my parents there in their early 70s and they would see both my son and my, my brother's kids just on a phone, absolutely fine. And they'd just be oh, my God, this is, this is the end of the world. <laughs> um, because they, they really struggle with technology like that. It's, it's not instinctual to them at all. 
but yeah for for you know people of a certain age and younger it's all they know it's all they know I and, agree. Yeah, I don't know where it's going to go. Like I said, I hope it all implodes within the next couple of years. <laughs> so I'll you, be out of a job, but hopefully yeah. my son will be all right. You're praying for the downfall of your own career for the sake of your son and humanity at large. I am. I am. I am. I am. I really am. <laughs> now, I want to make sure, because you and I have gotten off to a lovely start. I feel like mm. we have a real rapport, but we're about 20 minutes <laughs> in, and I want to make sure... We've just kind of allowed this conversation to tumble where it will, which I'm all for. But if there's anything specific you did call about, I also want to say, feel free to bring it up. Let's go ahead. Hit the pause button right there, because you know what we got? We got adverts. That's what they call them in England, is adverts. Here we call them ads. Uh, There's promo codes on there. If If you're enticed, use those promo codes. It really helps Beautiful Anonymous when you do back with more phone call after this. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company that lets you message a licensed therapist from anywhere at any time. I know you can't imagine fitting more stuff into your life, right? You can't, how are you, you don't have more time. Well, with Talkspace, therapy is as easy as sending your therapist a message. You get something off your chest whenever you need to. Talk about everyday challenges at work or at home, or you just need to chat about life. There's no extra commutes. There's no leaving the office. You're not going to get judged for it, okay? All you need is a computer with an internet connection or the Talkspace mobile app, and you can just improve your mental health. And I just want to put out here, and I believe in this one very strongly, therapy does not need to be a melodramatic thing where you're venting your innermost secrets and and delving into childhood stuff. It can be very practical. You can just be developing everyday strategies for stress management, how to clear some room in your life to just make things a little happier. That's, That's what I do with it. Having a therapist simply provides you a designated person for you to talk to who's trained to listen and help you make some positive changes. And the Talkspace platform has over 2,000 licensed therapists who are experienced in addressing life challenges we all face. To match with a perfect therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, go to Talkspace.com beautiful. Use the code beautiful. You get $30 off your first month and show your support for this show. That's beautiful at Talkspace.com beautiful. So happy to once again be telling you about Casper. You know what I woke up on this morning? A super great Casper mattress. I can vouch for this one personally. Casper is awesome. Casper's a sleep brand continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. They got three mattress models, the original Casper, the Wave, and the Essential. Casper mattresses are perfectly designed to soothe and cradle your natural geometry. Not to mention the breathable design helps you sleep cool, regulates your body temperature throughout the night, and it's delivered right to your door in a very small box. And I'm telling you, it it is impressive. You show up, you're like, how'd they do that? And you open it up. It's a great experience. Kick off your experience with the Casper with a, a, a surprisingly fun unboxing experience. And also there's free shipping with that and free returns. Let me mention US and Canada, free shipping and returns. But the best part, you can be sure you're purchased with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. After all, you spend one-third of your life sleeping. You got to make sure you're comfortable with this, okay? I am telling you, you guys have heard me talk about my Casper for a while now. It still holds up. It's durable. I love it to death. My wife and I don't even say, you want to go to bed? We go, you want to go lay down in Casper? It's We refer to Casper as a human, like a member of our family. Casper is great. I love it. My wife loves it. 
it's it's incredible. You get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash beautiful. Use the code beautiful at checkout. That's casper.com slash beautiful. Offer code beautiful. You get $50 off your mattress purchase. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks to all of our subscribers who helped me bring this show to the world for free. Now, let's get back to the phone call. I just kind of allowed this conversation to tumble where it will, which I'm all for. But if there's mm. anything specific you did call about, I also wanted to say... Feel free to bring it up. Do you know what? It, it was that whole thing about family mm. and children and surprises in life. Yeah. And I probably just garbled that whole story out to you because I was in such a state of shock at talking oh. to you. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know. I think it's a weird one. Um, no, I have a very... Sorry? Let's just keep going then. Because I'm getting the sense me and you could talk for 40 minutes, no problem. That's the sense I'm getting. <laughs> we, we could just solve the world's problems, couldn't we? I you think know, you got the like gift that. of gab. That's what we call it here in the States, <laughs> the gift of gab. G- give me two glasses of red wine and yes, <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> now, what did you do before social media? Because you said you're a little bit older. Marketing. And that, marketing. So those things translate. Yeah, I thought, well, you, you go way, 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 way back. I did a degree in American literature what? and studied at the wonderful University of Texas in Austin pre here. What? Um, yeah. <laughs> Why'd you major in American literature? I thought you guys got all the better all older the English literature. <laughs> you got Dickens and stuff. Oscar Wilde. Yeah, boring. Really boring. So you went to it's UT Austin. for me. That's a party yeah. school. Oh yeah. Yeah. Only for a year. So I did a study abroad year. Um, uh, it was, you know, part of my degree that they had all these exchange programs set up with American universities. Um, and I remember you, you could put in a bid if there was a particular university that did particular courses that you wanted to specialize in. And so a friend of mine, um, really wanted to do some film courses. So, um, put in a bid for Santa Barbara and got it and things like this. And I was just like, I don't care. You know, I'm just going to take potluck. I don't care. And when I got the letter saying Texas, oh my god! <laughs> I I thought of all the places. I thought, yeah, I'm going to be in New York for a year, aren't I? I'm going to be somewhere really cultured and really wonderful. I'm going to learn so much, and I'm going to live this wonderful life. And I didn't know what to think at all. And it's hot, and I don't really do hot because I am a classic Northern European, very, very, very fair-skinned person. Um, and actually, it was incredible. It was absolutely amazing. I made some of the best friends who 20 years later, you know, I'm still friends with. Um, that's one good thing about social media is you can keep in touch with people who you may physically never see again. Yeah, but, but the other side of the coin is then you have to keep in touch with people you were hoping to never see again. <laughs> If I have to read That's one more goddamn not- thing from an ex-college roommate about his <laughs> their grumpy opinions on Star Wars at the age of 38. Just block them. Just, you don't have to unfriend them. You just have to unfollow them. They don't know you've done it. But then and how am I going to... But then how am I going to bitch and moan about it to my other college roommates that I do stay in touch with? <laughs> you just have to rely on them and you just have to be the bigger person. Talk uh, about your life as it is now rather than regressing. Back. Being the big, bigger person has always been a struggle for me, but I'll do my best. Yeah, no. Me too. Me that too. Must... I hold grudges. Oh, yeah. 
yeah. <laughs> I hold big grudges. Do you big, now? Big grudges. Oh, yeah. I, I, I can, yeah, ask my husband. I'll hold a grudge for a long time. <laughs> a long time. Yeah. Just don't ever mention the argument about bread. What? I gotta know. I have to know the specifics about the argument about bread. <laughs> I have this to know. This is a complete tangent. We don't do big arguments in, how long have we been together? Seven, eight years. We've had, I think, two mega arguments. And one was about a loaf of bread that resulted in me basically taking the baby and running away and my husband thinking that I'd done something so completely irrational that he was, you know, ringing my parents saying, is she with you? No, putting them in a panic. (laughs) It was was at that point that, you know, I think the realisation that postnatal depression had gotten pretty badly and that I possibly needed some help. (laughs) So before I laughed too hard at this, there was a medical issue attached to it. So that's good. I do have to ask, on behalf of all our listeners, what was yeah. it about bread that that set I this? I bought the wrong bread. You bought the wrong. You I got... bought the wrong bread. He's he's very specific about a certain brand of bread. Brand, um, not even and, type. And yeah, brand, brand. Yeah, granary bread, but a certain brand of granary bread. What is granary bread? Wrong... Do we do, Jared? Do we have granary bread? I don't think Google we, granary bread. We got a Google granary. It's brown bread with kind of like um, bits in it. Oh, brown bread with bits in it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Do you not have granary bread? We don't have granary bread. Look at you and me celebrating our cultural differences. <laughs> a classic oh, all English you need brown in life bread. Is a decent cup of tea and a bit of toast and marmite. Mm, I've had toast. My friend Daniel Kitson is a comedian in England. He introduced me to Marmite. And I've had brown bread when I've gone overseas. Ireland. I was in Ireland for a a long time. And Scotland. They They, they they like bread in Ireland. So they just called it brown bread where I was, though, at, like, the pubs. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, just normal brown bread here doesn't have any, like, seeds or nuts in it or anything like that. Whereas granary bread has, you know, bits of grain in it. Wow. I guess you would call it. We're looking I'm now up. looking it's, at the packet to see what the description is. To see it says, uh, it's, it. we're looking online. It says, since malted barley grains are nearly impossible yeah. to find in the U.S., uh, it's, it's not around in America um, as much. There you go. That's the reasoning. You guys are missing out. You need some malted barley grains in your life. <laughs> so wait, you go out... you put them all into beer rather than bread. Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. We, uh, so, so you go out. You're doing the grocery mm-hmm. shopping. You yeah, see, bought the wrong bread. You're like, this one's a reasonable price. You throw the granary bread in. <laughs> you come home. You take the groceries out of the boot, not the trunk. Yeah. The boot, yeah, the boot of the car. Right. Well done. Look at me On showing my respect. little dinky little car, yeah. Your smaller, your smaller, more adorable car, because you're in England and not America, where we like everything larger. You bring where it in. I live, everybody has massive, great big four by fours. Yes, except for me. And then you bring it in and unpack the groceries, yeah. and he sees the bread. And he's All like, I ask is you buy a particular brand of bread, and I lost my shit. Yeah. That was the tipping point. You're like, yeah. really, really. Do you remember yeah, when I right. uh, squeezed a miracle child out of myself after nine months of discomfort, <laughs> and then I still was the one who had to go to the goddamn store in the first place? You got it. That is exactly the situation. Right? I can see. I, I can see where that went. Like, oh, really? 
Why don't you go to the store then? And why don't I lay down? You want that bread? You go buy it yourself. Yeah, go buy it yourself. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. I might have been a little... uh, I might still be recovering from the fact that I recently brought your son into the world. (laughs) Absolutely. I think I'd got past the stitches by then, but, you know, it was still... The trauma was very deep set inside me. Yeah. Yeah, granary bread. (sighs) Buy your own granary bread. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, you, but you. This was serious, though. The depression. You grabbed the baby. You disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. It. Yeah. And do you know what? I am now celebrating three weeks of being off medication. Oh wow! I'm ce- yeah, after, I'm celebrating Jesus. eleven years of being on. Oh, I I I have like twenty years on and off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If we're go- oh, if we're going on and off, I've got uh, sixteen. Oh yeah, count them all up. Count yeah, them yeah, all yeah. up. Sixteen yeah. on and off. Jesus, yeah. No, my my first, I would describe it as a breakdown was on coming back from Texas, and the harsh reality of coming back to grim, filthy, cold England, and leaving behind what I thought was the person I was going to marry. Wow. That was when I first hit the real, real low. Yeah, Texan. You fell in love with some Texan, some frontiersman, (laughs) some American frontiersman. I didn't see that one coming. But yeah, it didn't work out because long distance relationships don't. I was 21. It's a ridiculous age to even think about getting married. Got a bit messed up. Managed to scrape through the final year of my degree. Sorted myself out. Happy days. Now, let me ask you about this because, uh, first of all, I'm glad for happy days. Let's not blow past that. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm psyched. Well done. Let I me ask you this. Happy days since then. Now, I did a thing called career suicide. and I, I so want to see it, and I don't know where I can see it in this country. Well, it's on HBO, if you have HBO. Don't have HBO here. Netflix? No, it's not on Netflix. Amazon Prime? No. <sighs> Maybe on a plane someday you'll see it. A lot of people have watched Maybe it on, on the planes. Plane to Australia. The Australian Airlines. I, I get tons of tweets from Australians who watch it on planes. It is carried by certain Australian oh, well, airlines. We're flying British Airways, though, so I'm not sure if... So, how am I going to get you to see this goddamn thing? But I, when, I was, when I was working on the show, you know, so when you tape a comedy special, um, mm. a lot of times comedians will, like, go to a city that they aren't you know, that's not their home city because you want a fresh crowd. And I really wanted yeah. to tape it in New York, but I'd per- been performing it in New York for many months. Yeah. So I was like, let me go far away, get off the grid so that people will be excited mm-hmm. again when I tape it. Took it to London. Mm. Took it to your very own London. <sighs> yeah. They did not like the conversation about mental health. Really? I was met. See, I'm so, I'm so open about it. I, it. It's one of those things that I, I will people to tears about different types of medication and different types of therapy and you know what happened at this miserable point in my life and because I would much rather it helps other people open up you and me both we share that philosophy I found that the London audience would stare at when I tried to make jokes about medications and mental health and medication side effects I found that they met me with uh, stereotypical, bristly British stares that indicated <laughs> opinions that they weren't willing to share outright. <laughs> is that a fair? Is that a fair stereotype? Not in my experience, but okay. 
I've never been to a comedy club. I've never been to, like, a stand-up show. So I don't know if the type of audience who would have gone to a stand-up show like that would be expecting just all-out belly laughs. And it might have just been a bit like, well, this isn't what I signed up for tonight. Right. That's ruined my Friday night joy. (laughs) You might just be saying that they found me unfunny. No, no. <laughs> I think you're funny. But I also, um, I talked to someone else who said the NHS doesn't make it easy for mental health stuff. No, because they have no money. Mm. Because our government has completely screwed the whole system because the conservatives suck. <laughs> so there we go. Um, no, I'm, I'm a pretty left-wing, liberal, lifelong Labour voting person and... It's one of the things that makes me so sad is seeing how the government is destroying the NHS and people who are desperate, really, really, really desperate, not just for mental health care, but for any health care, aren't getting it or the services are so stretched that, you know, people are really getting into trouble. Um, And yeah, it's awful. It's really awful. Um, But there is, there just isn't the culture of paying here. Yeah. Um, and I think, I don't know whether that will change. I don't want it to change. I want the money to go back into the NHS and for the NHS to be the thing that we're all proud of. Um, I don't know if you ever watched, like <laughs> today I watched the opening ceremony of the Winter Olympics in Seoul. And I remember in 2012 watching the opening ceremony of the London Olympics. And they did this whole feature on the NHS in the opening ceremony as this thing that we should be so proud of. And now here we are, six years later, and it's it's on its knees. It's absolutely on its knees. And I think people really underestimate what's going to happen in the next few years. Um, and I don't want to see it all privatised. I don't think that's the right thing to do. Hasn't worked out great here, I can tell you that. No. Talk about, no. I mean, does I the can... NHS cover fertility stuff? You mentioned fertility stuff, because that here yeah. is 10. They cover that? To a certain extent. Oh, my God. To a certain extent, yeah. I'll tell yeah. you, out here, think... that is tens of thousands of dollars. Oh, it is here. If it doesn't work, I think, I can't remember what it is. I think if you're under the age of 40, you get maybe two cycles for free or something like that, a full-blown IVF treatment. Um, but everything that we went through, we didn't, luckily, we didn't have to get as far as going through down the IVF route. Um, but, you know, with, with minimal intervention, we got there, which is really good. But friends of mine um, have, have spent tens of thousands of pounds on IVF and I, no children to show. Ooh, that's brutal. Yeah, I yeah did. it is. I did my show at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and someone came yeah. up to me. How after. did that one go? That was great. The Scots loved it because yeah. they like to party and <laughs> they get drunk and they'll they listen like to, to anything. Party and they're fucking depressed as well. Oh. Like, there was no daylight for half the year. Hey, <laughs> I have found that a lot of Americans find my comedy funny, but the Irish and the Scots, they get it, yeah. man. They they have massive substance abuse problems because they have seasonal affective disorder. (laughs) Turns out that a defeated man with a large forehead mumbling about his low self esteem really clicks in (laughs) Ireland. (laughs) Well, they just knew it was your roots, you know. It's your homecoming, isn't it? So they they welcomed you home like a long lost son. They did. But this guy, I met this couple in Edinburgh and they told me. That in, in they told me that they, what was it? It was a guy and a girl. 
and she needed mm. therapy. And the waiting list through the NHS was so long that she was really scared she was in danger. But mm. he had become addicted to gambling. And they yeah, realized so he gets seen straight away. Yes, because they realized that mm. part of owning a casino in England apparently is that the casinos have to fund gambling addiction mental <laughs> health services. <laughs> and that Yeah, I think so. I think he wasn't even that addicted, but he said he was. <laughs> And then there's a program that's couples therapy for couples and families who are addicted, who are affected by gambling addiction. Mm. And then also the spouse can then have private therapy because of that. And they wow. basically used his participation in gambling to yeah. backdoor their way into her getting to see a shrink. Mm. Mm. Well, literally, one of my best oldest friends, her daughter, has been under mental health services since she was at, God, it's awful, about seven or eight. And they're not getting the support that they need. And they saw a new assessor for a reassessment a couple of weeks ago. And this assessor said, you have to basically lie on all the paperwork and really exaggerate the situation. So apparently the answers to the questions were yes, no, or sometimes. And my friend previously had already, always written sometimes because her daughter displays some behaviours sometimes, but not all the time. And this assessor was just, you say yes to everything. You yeah. massively, massively exaggerate. Otherwise, you will never get seen. You will never get any help. You kick down the, you and kick down the door. And that's yeah, that's yeah. an underfunded system. I mean, it's an underfunded system underfunded is still system. better than a system where... Uh, we got no funding. Oh, God. Anyway. Yeah. I'll tell you, yeah. London, they didn't like me. You know where they liked me? <laughs> Manchester. I did one show up in Manchester. <sighs> they liked me up in Manchester. Well, Manchester is like the cultural heart of the country, I think. Really? Be, being, a, be, being a child of the 90s, it's where all the good music oh, comes from. Oh, it's where all the, right, the factory, all the ecstasy. Yep. <laughs> where are you? Where Can I ask where you are in the UK? I am in very rural Devon. So Devon is, you know, the sticky out bit down in the southwest. Okay. Okay. Vaguely. Vaguely. So, you know, the shape of the UK. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And there's a bit that sticks out in the southwest, a peninsula. Okay. Yeah. 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 Visualizing. I'm still, I mean, we're looking up a map right now. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm in a county called Devon. Uh-huh. And I live in a little village with thatched cottages and farmyards. Oh, that sounds lovely. The south. Yeah, it's like a rural idyll. Across across the Bristol Channel from Swansea. Yeah, I'm I'm down the other coast, so south coast. Oh yeah, the south coast. Oh, so you're you're mm -hmm. way down there. And Manchester's yeah. the north. I feel like I have I've heard the stereotypes about northerners and I feel like I'm more of a northerner. <laughs> I, I think you are. I think I think your soul is a northerner. Yeah, like they're Definitely. not fancy people. They're working class people nope. who have a big fucking yep. chip on their shoulder. <laughs> right? And some great accents. And who get bossed around by the strong women in their lives. Mm-hmm. Northern... Have you ever watched Coronation Street? No, but I've heard about it because my Morrissey obsession, <laughs> he was obsessed with Coronation I, Street. I had to wean myself off Coronation Street Ex because <laughs> I, I realized that soap operas were just 
ruining my life. Explain um, Coronation <laughs> Street to any Americans listening. It's a soap opera that's run for like decades, right? Oh, God, yeah. Like 50, 60 years, something <laughs> like that. I can't quite remember. And it's set on a street in Manchester where everybody lives in tiny little terraced houses. So like two up, two down terraced houses. Um, so they have two rooms downstairs and two rooms upstairs sort of thing. There's a pub, there's a shop, everybody knows everybody, everybody's sleeping with each other, and the murder rate is disproportionately high. Perfect show. Yeah. Everybody's, yeah. everybody's hooking up and killing each other? Now, so I have no idea what plot lines are going on, but yeah, it's, <laughs> you know, it's it's all life encapsulated on one little street, basically. And my understanding is that it's not uncommon for people to become severely addicted to Coronation Street. Yeah, that and EastEnders, which is the London version. EastEnders, Doctor Who, right? Doctor Who? Yeah, I'm not a Doctor Who person. not a sci-fi person. I'm demonstrating basic level pop culture knowledge of your land. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well done. Well done. That's good. Thanks so what much. other iconic things do we have? Well, you know, Manchester, music, Liverpool, a bit music way back when. London is just a bit of a waste of space, really. Really? Talk me through this. Because well, I'm not, I'll say this. I have to bite my tongue because I've learned as a comedian, you never shit talk a city because you have to sell tickets in cities. But I'm very interested to know why you think I London's a waste of space. I, I would love to know your opinion that I don't necessarily share, which is that London might be a bit of a waste of space. Not the, not the kindest people, not the warmest people. And that's a good time to take a breath and a great time for me to remind you that uh, the opinions of this caller in relation to the uh, City of London uh, reflect only the opinions of the caller and not the caller reflect the opinions of the host or the show or Earwolf or Midroll or... Anyway, I love London. London's a good, fascinating place. A good, fascinating place. We got some ads. Check them out. Use the promo codes. Helps the show when you do. We'll be right back. Are you a fan of the podcast? Are you talking you two to me? Then make sure to check out Scott Ackerman and Adam Scott's new show, Are You Talking R-E-M, Re-Me? Scott and Adam, two very funny people coming together as Adam Scott Ackerman to discuss the music and impact of the band. R-E-M. I tell you, R-E-M's one of those bands, and I bet they'll cover this and all the juicy opinions on R-E-M. R-E-M's one of those bands that, I tell you, every time they come on, if they come on the shuffle, I listen to six more R-E-M songs. They're not a band that I put at the top of my list, but every time they come on, I'm like, wait, this is great. I wonder if that's the type of titillating analysis we'll hear about R.E.M. from Adam and Scott. They're going to have an album-by-album album analysis. You're going to listen to these friends break down everything and nothing about the band. Listen to episodes of this limited series Wednesdays on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Earwolf.com. Thanks again to all of our advertisers. Again, London, great city. That's my opinion. Let's finish off the phone call. I, I would love to know your opinion that I don't necessarily share, which is that London might be a bit of a waste of space. Not the, not the kindest people, not the warmest people. No, no. London has some amazing things. The museums, because so many of them are free. Um, you know, if you, if you go for culture, oh, the Tate Modern, incredible. Of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Tate Modern's amazing. Um, and you know. There are places like the Science Museum and the Natural History Museum. Absolutely incredible. But, you know, I've never lived in London, 
but a lot of my friends have and my brother did for many, many years. And it's just a ball ache all the time, <laughs> you know, trying to get to work and being packed. On, I mean, maybe New York's the same, I don't know, but just being packed on stinking, horrible, filthy underground trains and, yeah, a lot of... Um, disparity between rich and poor obviously i think it's the same in any big city isn't it yeah i mean you're um, just describing and, new york i can't i can't yeah i can't yeah. shit talk london based on this i i find that i i don't think people i mean people don't love americans right people don't love americans right now not for a few years i love some americans yeah just not not the right wing bigoted nasty ones and I think not the gun ones. The uh, gun ones. What uh, is it about uh, the bloody gun? Believe me, believe me. I mean, I've gotten in trouble ranting about the guns on this podcast. I know. I know. I'm really sorry, Americans, but you really need to have a long, hard look at yourself and your obsession with guns. It's not healthy. Ooh, it's every, not doing anybody any good. There are so many people sorry that are met. You lots of listeners. Because <laughs> here's the thing: that is a little bit of a chip. We get a little chip on our shoulder about a British person mm. going, "Oh, Americans," and shaking their finger at us. We don't love that. Well, no, it's just, it's just an external perspective, isn't it? You know, I mean, I I I don't have a massive knowledge. I did live there for a while. I mean, you lived in um, Texas and, too. <laughs> yeah. But this is this is back in the mid '90s, and I remember as clear as day going to get my social security number and it was like literally the second day after I arrived I had really bad jet lag and really massive culture shock and I was sitting in a waiting room in whatever government building it was and this guy walked past me with a massive gun on his waistband and I had never seen a real gun in my life before and it scared the shit out of me and it was so real right in front of my face USA and it was just like USA. <laughs> <laughs> I love my naivety about guns. That know? was in Austin. And Austin's like a little liberal hub in Texas. They still have guns everywhere. Our oh. police don't even have guns unless you're in London. Yeah. Where I live, we don't even have police. What am I talking about? So really, so if any thieves or bandits are listening to this, descend upon Devon in England. I'm, exa I'm exaggerating. Apparently, we have this little parish magazine that comes around um, once a month, um, and it tells you what's going on at all the churches locally and what jumble sales are happening. And jumble then there's always sales. a line about your local police officer and his phone number if you want to ring him. And I believe his area covers several hundred square miles one guy well, no, maybe not that much but one guy covers a very big rural area oh, if i was a criminal i would target your area yeah yeah a lot of people just can't be bothered to drive out here though you know you've got to drive along some little windy lanes and especially in the dark it's quite hard it is now can i tell you the first time i went to your country i went to london mm -hmm. it's probably 2006 2007 maybe mm -hmm. Point being, George W. Bush was still president. <laughs> Not cool to be an American in England then. Yeah. I, yeah. Took, a, I took a taxi in London. London mm -hmm. taxi drivers. Just, a, black, a black taxi? The proper old classic one? Yeah, a black taxi. Yeah. That, those drivers yeah. just want to start fights, huh? Oh, yeah. That yeah. guy heard my accent. Yeah. He's like, you guys are ruining the world. I was like, I'd like I didn't <laughs> vote for him. I'd like to think I'm not ruining the world. And it happened to be St. Patrick's Day, 
and we drove past the St. Patrick's Day celebration, and he was like, "These, tr- they should get these trash, this trash to go home." And I was like, "My grandfather's mm-hmm. from Ireland." I was yeah. like, I took yeah. it on the chin as an American <laughs> and as an Irish American, all in ten minutes with one taxi driver. You Don't answer for that. I, <laughs> I can trash talk about Americans. This country has got a lot of problems, an awful lot of problems with views about immigration with views about um, just different races in general. Um, and, it, you know, I was, I was moaning about the Conservative government and the NHS earlier, that that is a big part of the problem in this country is you get certain news media like the Daily Mail. Have you heard of that paper? Yes, because uh, yeah. Morrissey oh, references God. it and the Queen is dead. <sighs> They're just evil. They just spout the most awful, awful right-wing propaganda. And there are a lot of people who read this shit and just take it and just go, yep, well, that's my opinion formed then, isn't it? And, you know, you just have to look at the whole um, Brexit thing, you know, about us leaving Europe. I've I've heard, uh, yeah, no, that's yeah, in- massive it. international news. Of course I've heard of Brexit. <laughs> You're tearing apart the European <laughs> Union. Yeah, I've, we're all very concerned. It's a mess. It's awful i cried when that result came through it's just like what the hell are we thinking it's just like talk about cutting off your nose to spite your face and now here we are over 18 months later and nobody knows what the bloody hell is going on it's like a piss up in a brewery all the politicians do not have a clue and that all came about because of stupid bloody narrow-minded right-wing media going we've got to get rid of all the muslims we've got to get rid of all the immigrants they're taking over the country they're taking our jobs when you know there's a there's a lot of really hard-working really good immigrants in this country who are doing the jobs that British people are too bloody lazy to do. (laughs) You know, where I live, it's a lot of farming and there's a lot of um, crop picking and stuff like that. You don't see any English people getting down in the fields picking all the crops. Um, And yet they're complaining that there's no jobs and unemployment rates are really high. And I don't know. I don't know. I... Well, I told you earlier, I'm I'm a very left-wing liberal, and I'm sure an awful lot of people would absolutely slaughter me for some of the things I'm saying. But I just think being so narrow-minded and so closed off to other cultures and what they can actually bring in benefits to a country and having open borders with Europe so that we can trade with them and we can go on holiday there and things like that. <laughs> I think the culture of this country is just going to be so much worse off as a result of leaving Europe. And I don't think there, I, I can't see any benefits to doing it, but you know, that's me. That's me. I'm sure other people would come on and rant and rave about how stupid and naive I am, but it's only my opinion. Well, you could have been talking about America for a lot of the immigration parts too. It's the same fight. Yeah. We're yeah. Having here. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It, I know it's not unique, and I know an awful lot of countries have the same um, conversations and the same arguments and things like that. But I just think, you know, as a general rule, being so horrible to other people is not a healthy way <laughs> to yeah. move forward. I'm with you. To build nice societies, you know. I'm with you. Now. Mm. I think you've given us a crash course in the person on the street level opinions on <coughs> British politics, policies. I want to get back to something. Mm. 
thought you weren't going to be able to have kids. Found out you had a kid without even really planning yes. it. Yes. Had the kid. Kids four. Yep. Is it everything you wanted it to be? Well, on days like today when I took him to his swimming lesson and he shit himself in the swimming pool, no. <laughs> No. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, his last swimming lesson of this half term, and I had to drag him out of that pool. I'm yeah, I'm sure a lot of people were dragging their the kids out of that pool, pool weren't they? <laughs> what a good I mean, answer never- to that question. It, it all comes. <laughs> I swear to God, every every parenting story, well, from my experience, always comes down to the bloody shit. It really is. My my husband's favourite one is when our son was really small, and he did the triple on him, of pissed all over him, shut up his arm, and vomited on him at the same time. Wow. And you know, I hope right you know after he did all that, that, he looked him in the eye and said, "Get your own granary bread." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was only about two months old at the time, but he was thinking it. He was definitely thinking Yeah, he was on your side. So he took a <laughs> shit. No, wait, he's four. He's potty trained, no? In theory, yeah, in theory, he has been for about 18 months. But, you know, he keeps having these little aggressions. And he's starting school in September. And the number of times I say to him, you can't keep doing this. Yeah, you're starting school in September. You've got to sort this. He's lazy. He's a boy. He's lazy. So it's just he doesn't he's feel a- like he's having too much fun in the pool. He doesn't want to get out. Just take a shit in the pool. Yeah. 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 And then Pretty they, much. He's, to- he's really good. I mean, he, he, I'm lucky. He was night trained instantly. As soon as we got rid of nappies, he, I think in 18 months, he's wet the bed like three times or something. And that's normally after a swimming lesson when he's drunk half the swimming pool. Um, whereas, you know, I have friends whose kids still aren't dry at night at like six or something ridiculous. Um, but yeah, he, he just, yeah, has little lapses in concentration and still shits himself. But then you know all about that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm 37 and yeah, exactly. still struggling. Still struggling. Still happening on a frequent basis, or you got a little bit under control? Uh, yeah, I mean, every now and then. Not, I mean, I tell you, I fixed my diet up. I, I went pescatarian. Mm-hmm. That, that helps a lot. That's good. But I still have my days. <laughs> I'm sorry, days. I shouldn't take the piss out of your your intestinal problems. My son doesn't have that excuse. He's just a lazy little bugger. Look at that. Look at that. Now, when he's not shitting in public places, is it everything you ever <laughs> dreamed of? Um, yes and no. It's really hard. It's really hard work. It's the amount of guilt that I feel on a daily basis because I work. I only work three days a week and I still feel so guilty about leaving him. Um, and I think a lot of it ties back to what I said earlier about this miss of this perfect life of parenthood that I am way too susceptible to and because of having slightly dodgy mental health self-confidence issues um, I doubt myself all the time I doubt what I'm doing is the right thing all the time 
Um, I don't have the luxury of not being able to work, but, and it's good for him because he's an only child. Um, he needs to be with other kids. So going to nursery, going to daycare and stuff like that, it's, it's really good for him. It's socializing him. It's teaching him skills. It's teaching him how his favorite line, sharing is caring, mummy. Yes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, it's, it's, it's good for him to be away from me, but I still, I get eaten up with guilt about it. Um, but like I said, he's going to be starting school. Neither of us are going to have any choice in it. And I had to go back to work when he was a year old. And I think that's one thing that we do have quite a luxury in this country that you don't possibly have there so much is, um, sorry, that was my husband walking through banging doors, um, is being able to take extended maternity leave. Yeah, I think we're getting better about it. Mm, yeah. But I think yeah. a lot of it depends on the employer. But they're trying to, I, yeah. I believe they're trying to make that more of a mandated thing. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was fortunate enough to, um, I mean, the second half of my maternity leave, it was unpaid. But we'd saved up enough money that we were, you know, able to scrape through sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, it's it's really tough when there's an awful lot of pressure to do the career thing and do the motherhood thing and just feeling like you never get it 100% right. But maybe that's just life. I think that might be a universal human thing. I think that might be one thing you and I are proving to everybody listening to this is that everywhere you go, people are people. People are people worried worried about their families and their jobs and how to get by. Everywhere. Yeah. yeah. If you're doing the right thing for your kids, if you're doing the right thing for your marriage, if you're doing the right thing for your career. Yeah. That's it. That's what it all it comes down to. People like me and you, we just worry yeah. and worry and worry. And then someday yeah. we drop dead. <laughs> we released. Yeah. released yeah, how from do you the... ever stop worrying about that stuff? That's, that's the, how do you let these things go? I don't know. I really don't know. I wish I did know the answer, but. It's a tricky one. It is. It's what I've been trying to figure out my whole life. Yeah. I think yeah. you just got to learn so how to coexist here's a really personal question for you then. Okay. You think you'd have kids? People keep asking me that lately. It's, it keeps coming up. Uh, yeah. I would like yeah. I would like to. Yeah. See, it's one of those questions that I know you should never ask people. <laughs> but, you know, because I had previously lost my first son, and um, every time a friend of mine told me they were pregnant, or every time my brother and sister-in-law turned out yet another kid, my heart broke, and I would sob. And you're there going, oh, congratulations, I'm so pleased for you, and you're just dying inside. And then you're also beating yourself up going, I don't want to be the type of person that can't be happy for other people. Yeah. You have that too. Yeah, totally. And then that doubles totally. down and makes you feel like like they're, you're inherently uh, a bad or petty person, but it's just you're yeah. a person with emotions reacting to the punches Absolutely. thrown at you. Absolutely. And when you want something so badly and everybody else is churning out kids like it's bloody no issues, like it's the easiest thing in the world, it, it is really hard. It's really, really hard. Um you know, and and then, like I say, I have all this guilt that the thing I wanted most in the world 
when I finally got it, it turned out to be the hardest, most hideous <laughs> thing, the toughest thing I have ever put myself through. And it's taken me four years to get over the whole situation. I couldn't even let my husband describe the birth to me for six months because I was so traumatized by it. Traumatized. Every time he... Cause they gave me so many drugs, I didn't really remember. <laughs> I feel very hazy. Um, and every time we would, like, vaguely discuss what happened in that 12 hours of darkness, yes, but it took six months before I could actually hear what happened. And then I'm thinking, but I'm supposed to be so grateful for this. Yeah. This is supposed to be the best thing that ever happened to me. And it was so traumatizing. Yeah. And the minute he was born, partly age, but partly the experience, I was just like, I am never, ever, ever doing this again. <laughs> and I was sterilized after that. You when were. I got sterilized. You yeah. did. After all that yep. fighting. Yep. 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 I never, never wanted to go through that again. No wow. way. <laughs> we have two minutes left, just so you know. You're joking. No, I'm not joking. Oh, Chris. I never this joke. really good. No, I know. <laughs> I try to joke all the time. Yeah, it's tough. It's also it's also a thing, you know, and it's a cliche, but it's true. It's like, you know, the second people start sprouting hair on their bodies as kids, everyone in their mm -hmm. life is like, don't do it. You'll have an accident. It, you, it can just happen by accident. And then you get to yeah. the point where you actually want to buckle down and do it. And people yeah. are like, oh, yeah. actually, it's the hardest thing in the world. <laughs> it is good. Don't get me wrong. In a minute, I will be going upstairs to kiss my son and tuck him in, and he'll be lying there, snoring his head off. And every night, I look at his little face, and my heart just explodes. You know, he is beautiful. He is amazing. Um, and he's really challenging, and that's only going to get more so as he gets older. But bloody hell, I look at him, and the love that you feel for your child is like nothing can ever prepare you for that. That moment when you look at them and just go, bloody hell, that's my child. I created that child. It's, it is amazing. It is amazing. And then sometimes... Even when he shits in a swimming pool. Sometimes he shits in a pool and you go, bloody hell, that's my child. That's my child. I'm so proud. Jesus, that's bloody hell. That is my child. Oh. Yeah, that's my boy. That's yeah. my boy. Yeah, that's pretty totally. cool. First time he says mommy, that's pretty cool, huh? Yeah, but he doesn't say mommy. He says mummy. Mummy. <laughs> mummy. Mummy. I feel weird saying yeah. Mummy. Mummy. Thank you for calling. <laughs> thank you for filling thank us you, in. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, thank you for filling us in on your story, being so open and honest. I know it's that is not an easy story to be open about. And uh, No, it's, you, you know, my belief in life is tell people, talk to people, might help them, might help me, does help me. Every time I feel shit, if I talk to somebody, I feel better. Caller, thank you for calling. found myself very comfortable talking to you, quite charmed. And again, I want to reiterate, your opinions on London do not necessarily affect the opinions of this host or this podcast. Thank you so much to Jared O'Connell, Harry Nelson in the booth, 100 episodes, and you guys hold it together. When I'm busy 
and running around working on my dumb TV show, and I'm about to collapse. You guys continue to make this so fun, so uh, thank you. It's weird. You're sitting right there trying to do like a 100th episode special thing, but it's weird because you're eight feet away on the other side of a piece of glass. Thanks to Greta Cohn, Reverend John Delore. I always thank them for helping to build the show. Shell Shag played your music a hundred times to the world and I never get tired of it. You guys are the best. If you want to know about me and times I'm going out on the road, chrisgeth.com is the website where you can find that info. Also, if you like this show, what you do is you go to Apple Podcasts, you rate it, you review it, you subscribe to it. It really does help so much. Thank you all who have been listening. It means the world to me. I'll see you next time. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company that enables you to improve your mental health from anywhere at any time. Get matched with a licensed therapist from over 2,000 choices and message them whenever you need to. No commutes, no judgments. It's a cool thing. Therapy is a cool thing. I'll go on record. I'll say that. For a special offer for our listeners, visit Talkspace.com slash beautiful. Use the code beautiful to get $30 off your first month and show your support for this show. Talkspace. It's therapy for how we live today. Next time on Beautiful Anonymous. Tonight, I want to talk about, let's do a good old life story episode, uh, how I went from dealing drugs to performing brain surgery. Wow, nobody's ever dropped a thesis like that. So you were a drug dealer at one point in your life, now you're a brain surgeon? Well, let's start from the top, right? Yeah, let's do it. Well, I am from a quiet suburb on the East Coast, and uh, I was a pretty well-adjusted kid for a while, keyword for a while. Uh, then middle school came, and that's a pivotal point in many of our lives. I was bullied mercilessly, and I should say, I don't trust anybody who wasn't bullied in middle school, like my girlfriend right now. Next time on Beautiful Anonymous. Hey everyone, Scott Ackerman here. Uh, are you a fan of the podcast, You Talking You Two to Me? Well, I hope you are. If you are, make sure to check out Adam Scott and I have a new show, Are You Talking R.E.M. Re-Me? That's right. It's a brand new show with a brand new title. Join us as we discuss the music and impact of the band R.E.M., through an album-by-album album analysis. That sounds very nerdy, but it's actually fun. We break down everything and nothing about the band. Listen to the limited series, Are You Talking R.E.M.? Re-Me, Wednesdays on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Earwolf.com. This is good rock and roll. Uh, use it! This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Chris Bannon, and Colin Anderson. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolf.com.